all the world seemed to be making holiday at the passing of a solemn, happy festival. But we had kept it with the others, Nordoff and I, and I have the memory of it now, to be enjoyed over and over again as the years pass. But there was danger that we might outstay the freshness of that period. We were anxious to avoid that for the sake of our memories, if for nothing else. While we were not yet free to order our movements as we chose, we pretended that we were, and so one rainy evening in the December following the armistice, we decided to call that chapter of existence closed, and to go forward with the making of new plans. For we meant to have further adventure of one kind or another, adventure in the sense of unexpected incident rather than hazardous activity. That had been a settled thing between us for a long time. We had no craving for excitement, but turned to plans for uneventful wanderings, which we had sketched in broad outlines months before. They had been left of necessity vague. But now that any of them might be made realities, now that we had leisure and a reasonable hope of the fulfillment of plans, well, we had cause for a contentment which was something deeper than happiness. The best of it was that the close of the war found us with nothing to prevent our doing pretty much as we chose. We might have had houses or lands to anchor us, were promising careers to drag us back into the bewilderments of modern civilization. But fortunately or unfortunately, there were none of these things. The chance of war had given us a freedom far beyond anyone's desert. We had some misgivings about accepting so splendid a gift, which the event sometimes proves to be the most doubtful of benefits. Viewed in the light of our longings, however, our capacity for it seemed incalculable. And so, by degrees, we allowed our minds to turn to an old allurement, the South Pacific. It became irresistible the more we talked of it, longing as we then were for the solitude of islands. The objection to this choice was that the groups of islands which we meant to visit have been endowed with an atmosphere of pseudo-romance, displeasing to the fastidious mind. But there was not the slightest chance of our being pioneers wherever we might go. We could not hope to see with the eyes of the old explorers who first came upon these far-off places. We must expect great changes, but much as we might regret for the purposes of this adventure that we had not been born two hundred years earlier. Comfort was not wanting to our situation. Had we been contemporaries and fellow explorers with de Quiros and Cook or Bougainville, we should have missed the Great War. We came within view of Tahiti one windless February morning. Such a view as Pedro Fernandez de Quiros himself must have had more than three hundred years before. The sky to the west was still bright with stars, and but barely touched with the very ghost of light giving it the appearance of a great water, with a few clouds, like islands, immeasurably distant. Half an hour later the islands themselves lay in full sunlight, jagged peaks falling away in steep ridges to the sea, against sheer walls still and shallow in upland valleys. One could see a few turns, but there was no other movement, no sound, nor any sign of a human habitation, nothing to shatter the illusion of primitive loveliness. It was illusion, of course, but the reality was nothing like so disappointing as I had feared it would be. 
Outwardly, two hundred years of progress have wrought no great amount of havoc. There is a little port, a busy place on boat days, but when the steamer has emptied the town of her passengers, the silence flows down again from the hills. Off the main harbor front, thoroughfare streets lie empty to the eye for half hours at a time. Chinese merchants sit at the doorways of their shops, waiting for trade. Now and then, broad pools of sunlight flow over the gaily flower dresses of a group of native women, scarcely to be seen otherwise as they move slowly through tunnels of moist green gloom, or a small schooner, like a detail gifted with sudden mobility in a picture, will back away from shore, cross a harbor bright with the reflections of clouds, and stand out to sea. In the stillness of the noon siesta, one hears at infrequent intervals the resounding thud of ripe fruit.